0: or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za I'm going to dive with you just for a moment, a little bit into history. because History tells us that back in 1839 there were these two men. One was named John Williams and the other one James Harris. And they were from the London Missionary Society. And what these guys did is they landed on the island of Eromanga in order to reach the Herbride people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But these men didn't last very long. Because it was only a few months in on being on this island that they were killed. But not only were they killed they were literally gobbled up by the flesh-eating cannibals on the island. Now you have to stop and think about that. You go to a place to tell people about Jesus, but then they kill you and they eat you. But what these men actually did is they kind of paved the way for the famous, famous Scottish missionary, John Payton, who was convinced about the freedom he had in jesus to go back to the south pacific island to reach the herbright people on this love-filled mission to see them be set free from this beastly pagan way of living and to see them turn to the only god of the universe by faith in christ and his gospel of grace in the book of the life of the story of john Peyton, one of the authors write Because of the gospel, because of the gospel, the people threw away their idols, renouncing their heathen customs and avowing themselves to be worshippers of the true Jehovah God. Because it's the missionary life of people like John Payton and so many others that not only show us the power of the gospel and how the truth of the gospel can really set someone free from the desires of the flesh, but also the way that God is still at work when people are serving others in gospel rooted love. Because now, as we turn our attention back to the book of Galatians today, Paul is going to help us see that if we do not understand the purpose of our freedom in Jesus Christ, that the church can become like this island of Iromanga with people filled who, who want to bite and consume one another. To be like these flesh-eating cannibals on this island if you don't want to believe me turn to chapter 5 and we're going to read from verse 13 Galatians chapter 5 reading from verse 13 Paul writes this for you were called a freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So let's think about this. Because we know that God is passionate about the local church. As you read the book of Acts, for example, and the rest of the New Testament, you see that no matter what opposition came against the church, nothing could stop the gospel from going forward. Nothing could stop God's plan to see people from different backgrounds and cultures and languages come to be part of the same body. Not even cannibals. And Paul has been saying that even though these false teachers are infiltrating the churches in Galatia, that won't stop God's people from getting His children home. Because we know that the only institution in the, in the world that is promised to be built by God is what? It's the local church. Matthew 16, 19. Jesus is talking to the apostle Peter. He says, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, God does not promise that He's going to build your business. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. He doesn't promise that He's going to build schools or or universities as valuable as those are. But He does promise that He will build His church, and the church will win. And that should give us a great confidence as we gather every week and during the week to see the gospel advancing in our own lives and in the communities we live in. But you would agree with me. It would be sad if the church that is meant to be this picture of heaven on earth ends up looking more like the Kruger National Park. Because if you have been part of the church for a while, then you will have come to experience the church as being a messy place. It's a place where people can hurt each other. It's a place where people try to relate to each other, but there's this tension and this conflict of a variety of different issues where people are not related to each other based on the freedom and unity they have in Jesus Christ. And even though we long for this community, we all so long for to experience love and gentleness and encouragement. It's actually that when we work through our differences in a godly and biblical way, that we find the church community to be this display of God's supernatural gospel advancing grace. You see, as according to God, as one man says, the church is a mess worth making. The church is a mess worth making. Why? Because firstly, Jesus gave His life for the church. And as we deal with our differences biblically, we also show that God is still at work in building His church. Now we've come to realize that the churches in Galatia, they've made a good mess of the relationships they have with one another. Paul has been writing to these churches to help them sort out their mess by getting their theology right, and the way they should live out that theology. He's been talking a lot about the, the danger of legalism. Where people try to take away the freedom you have in Christ. By making your relationship with God based on what you do. And not primarily on what Christ has done for you. Last time we were in Galatians a couple of weeks ago. We saw that when it comes to the issue of Circumcision. Paul wants these false teachers to emasculate themselves because of the way they are leading other people astray very strong language he wants them to make themselves impotent so they can't influence anyone else with their false gospel but it's as if Paul knows that there are always going to be two different groups in the church who respond differently to the freedom we have in jesus christ because on the one hand you might have people who make christianity about self-performance having this legalistic pharisaical approach to christianity and on the other hand you have those who take their freedom and they abuse it just to live a life of self-satisfaction and when these two groups come together It causes problems you see Paul is now addressing the issue of those who take liberty with their freedom there are those who might be taking liberty with their liberty as an opportunity to just satisfy their own sinful desires in other words he is indicating that there are some in the church who now think that because Jesus paid it all he paid it all for us on the cross I can just kind of do whatever I want And Paul knows that a culture of self-performance and self-satisfaction will cause problems in the way people relate to each other in the body and so here in verses 13 to 15 of chapter 5 he reminds the churches of the the purpose of their freedom the purpose of their freedom because if we understand the purpose of our freedom in Christ it will help us know how to deal with the messy relationships we have with others in the church because one of the things we'll see firstly is that Paul gives an exhortation he is saying that if we understand the purpose of our freedom it will help us not to abuse it that's verse 13 second he's going to talk about an encouragement If we understand the purpose of our freedom, it's going to help us to fulfill God's law. Verse 14. And then he ends with a warning. Because if we understand the purpose of our freedom, it will help us to avoid hurting other people. In verse 15. So let's look at the first exhortation here in verse 13. Paul has just talked about the confidence we can have in the gospel. And how these false teachers will be judged for what they're doing. But now he's focusing on the relationships in the church. Jew and Gentile coming together that are being affected by this false teaching. And Paul is saying that if you understand the purpose of your freedom in Christ, then you're not going to want to abuse that freedom. He writes in verse 13 again. For you were called to freedom, brothers... Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. If you really want to see God at work in a church, it becomes beautifully visible when people actually understand the true freedom they have in Christ. And when people understand that this freedom they have in Jesus is the foundation of our life together. Because when God called you to freedom, he called you, like the Galatians, to a life that is free from yourself. Free from yourself. And without this call of God on someone's life, they will remain in a life of slavery. Either to their own works and their own efforts or to their own sinful desires. And we know that in the Galatian context, Paul has been saying that, like he did back in chapter 5, verse 1, that the Lord had called them to be free from the Old Testament law and the requirements of circumcision. That's the context. This burden of attempting to be right with God based on your own performance and obedience to the law. This is no longer the, the way we relate to Jesus. Jesus came to change how we relate to God because this freedom we have in the gospel is now not an excuse just to satisfy your own desires. Because Paul says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. You see, apart from God calling you to freedom, you are in fact enslaved to the flesh. The flesh here is referring to what? What? our fallen nature who we are in Adam Paul's not talking about just your physical body here as much as he's talking about the sinful inclinations we have it's the part of man that does not want what God wants but only wants what he wants this is man's corrupt human nature that is weak and deprived And this flesh is constantly seeking to fill what is lacking and empty, but it seeks to fill it with the sinful desires of the world. Because what the Bible teaches is that Jesus doesn't give us the freedom in the gospel so that we can just do whatever we want. You see, a criminal that has been set free from prison is not set free so that he can continue to be a criminal. God gives us freedom and a new nature so that we can do what He wants us to do because of our love for Him. Even though the flesh has been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20, right? We know that it's not entirely gone, is it? It's not entirely gone. Someone that has been set free from the love of drinking might still have the desires to drink even though they've been given a new nature. Because we know that, because we've been united to Christ, through faith in what He has done, we have received power to fight the desires of the flesh. But there is going to be this fighting. But the thing is, those fleshy desires are constantly looking for a way to invade our lives and take back control. And the reality of our situation is that we're also living in the present evil age. Galatians one four, right? But as Paul says in Romans, true Christians are eagerly waiting for what? Romans 8.21, the freedom, the full freedom of the glory of the children of God. Paul said that because Jesus died and rose from the dead, we have been set free from this present evil age but we continue to live in this age and as we do we are waiting for the full freedom from the flesh this time that is coming where the flesh will have no more influence in our lives and the problem with our fleshy desires are they don't just keep to ourselves do they They don't just keep to ourselves. In other words, the flesh is like the sworn enemy of relationships and the gospel community life that we seek because all it cares about is itself. And so when Paul says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity, that word opportunity carries with it the idea of don't set up like this base camp. This base camp where you're going to launch into a war where all you seek to do is win at all costs to satisfy your own desires don't give the flesh the opportunity to take control when you know that God is in control But then you have to ask how do we do that how do we give the flesh opportunities it should not have as we think about the messy relationships we might have in the church Well, we give opportunity for the flesh when you are someone that has an unforgiving spirit towards others and you hold this grudge against them we provide opportunities for the flesh when we fail to, uh, to overlook minor offenses because proverbs 19:11 says good sense makes one slow to anger and it's it is glory to overlook an offense we give opportunity for the flesh When we allow ourselves to speak negatively about other people. When we fail to believe the best. When we fail to deal with our issues and our offenses quickly. Emphasis on quickly. Because the the wisdom from Paul in Ephesians 4 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Don't give the devil the opportunity to feed your fleshly desires. So we give opportunities for the flesh when we isolate ourselves and avoid other people. We give opportunities for the flesh when we start to neglect the relationships we have with other believers. And all of a sudden our life is just hanging out with all these unbelievers. we give opportunities for the flesh when we think freedom means we can get drunk watch dirty movies use dirty language and live in a way where there's no self-control but only self-indulgence yet you're telling yourself i believe in jesus he saved me from all of that so everything is going to be okay as the apostle peter would say whatever christian freedom is it is not the right of believers to return to the kind of life from which Christ died to rescue them from. First Peter 2.16 Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Servants of God. You see, the messages we hear all around us every day is that you are free to be whoever you want to be. You are free to live and express yourself in any way you want. You are free to live your life you always wanted, whilst ignoring those who are in need around you. In fact, in Peter's second letter, he goes on to warn the church against the false teachers who appeal to the flesh in order to win you over. That's a simple strategy. Appeal to the the flesh, because the flesh is weak. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. It's like someone that has this Legalistic view of life loves to hear messages that make you even more legalistic someone that loves to abuse their freedom of Christ loves to hear messages of how you can do whatever you want and get whatever you want because it's all about you in the end anyway but when you're overwhelmed by the, the desires you know you shouldn't have Paul says in Romans 13 14 you should do what put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Romans 13, 14. In other words, don't give the flesh the opportunity it wants to take control. Because one of the most amazing characteristics of Jesus was that though he is God who became man, Romans 15, 13 says, Christ did not please himself. Christ did not please Himself. And those who receive Him as Lord and Savior also receive a new selfless nature like His. And God calls on us to fight the desires of the flesh. Then how? Well, one, by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul gives us more specifics here in Galatians 5.13. But through love Serve one another. But through love, serve one another. You see, someone that understands the freedom he has in Christ will not seek to serve his own desires and just live in a way that feeds his own desires. They will fight against the flesh by seeking to serve other people in love. It's having the perspective and the attitude of Paul in 1 Corinthians 8 when he says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. In other words, the reason Jesus died on the cross is to set you free from a life of self-performance and from a life of self-indulgence so that you can imitate him and live a life of selfless service. Because if you want to say no to those fleshly desires, then you need to be looking for ways you can take your eyes off yourself. And one of the ways you can do that is by looking at the way you can be at service to someone else. Because again, Paul comes back to the correct motivator for love, doesn't he? You already talked about faith working through love back in Galatians 5, 6. Because that is the very nature of saving faith. It is a faith that responds to the love it has received in Jesus Christ with a heart that is filled up with that love of Christ. And then instead of seeking to fill any kind of emptiness with the things of this world, it is a heart that is so full of God's love that it is free to overflow in loving service to those around you. And so just look at your own life right now. You know, you know that the works of the flesh are motivated by desire to fill that kind of emptiness. But that love is so very different. Love is motivated by the joy of sharing how full you are with the love of Christ with the person in front of you. And so what Paul is saying to the Galatians is that you have been called to freedom, brothers. Brothers. You have been called a freedom and the purpose of that freedom is to lovingly serve other people. That is why God made you free. God made you free to serve. Your freedom has a purpose. And it's not to serve yourself. But to serve His kingdom by serving other people. Because by serving others in love you are serving the God. Of love right when God fills your heart with forgiveness all you can do is share that forgiveness with someone else when God fills your heart with patience we can be patient with other people who are different from us when God fills our heart with grace we can be gracious to other people when God fills our heart with a servant nature and attitude we can be sacrificial servants Towards others. So Paul says don't abuse that freedom. Your freedom is not about you. Don't give the flesh the opportunity to take control. And think it's not a big deal. Because in abusing that freedom. You're actually indicating that you're not free at all. Do you see that? Someone that is abusing their freedom in Jesus. Is someone that is not free at all. Someone that thinks they are free in Jesus because they continue to indulge in the sinful desires of the flesh is someone that Jesus says in John 8.34 is not free at all. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. In other words, when you think you have a license to live just the way you want, you are in fact entrapped to your own sinful desires. Because real freedom comes when Christ sets you free from sin, not to sin. Big difference. And Paul knows this causes tension in the church. When people care more about themselves, either by being legalistic, trying to force other people to be like them, or when people take their freedom and they use it as an opportunity to just get what they want. And knowing that people struggle to serve one another in love, Paul then now wants to bring in a a beautiful motivation. A motivation. First the exhortation, now he wants to bring in this beautiful motivation for why they should be focused on serving other people instead. So first, he exhorts them to not abuse their freedom and use it as an opportunity to satisfy the flesh that seeks to take care of control of their own lives but rather explains that the purpose of our freedom is to be able to serve others in love but now in order to encourage them to do that Paul says if you understand the purpose of your freedom then secondly you will fulfill God's law you will fulfill God's law that's verse 14 for the whole law is fulfilled in one word he says you shall love your neighbor as yourself I mean, we know this so well. This is such a familiar command. And then we have to think of the Galatian context to appreciate what Paul is actually saying here. Because the Galatians were worried about their standing in relation to the law. That's why they are so tempted to get circumcised in the first place and keep the Jewish calendar. They were starting to believe that perhaps that is God's will for us. But now He says to them throughout this whole letter that not only are you free from the law, you can actually fulfill the law. Which is like, wow, how do we do that? If there's this tension between Jews and Gentiles, between legalism and keeping the law and those who take freedom and abuse it, how can we actually fulfill the law? Serve your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul wants to make it clear that Christian freedom is not a license to ignore God's desire for our holiness or to try to find that holiness by going back under the law, trusting in your own efforts. Rather, God says, even though you are no longer bound under the system of the Old Testament law, like the people were in the Old Testament, when a Christian genuinely loves other people, and it's displayed in the way they serve others because of God filling their hearts with His love and His Spirit. You actually fulfill His law. Romans 13.8 Paul explains the same thing. Owe no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you shall not covet and any other commandment are summed up in this word you shall love your neighbor as yourself love does no wrong to a neighbor therefore love is the fulfilling of the law you see our ability to get along with each other even though we have many differences, is a sign that the Holy Spirit is doing His transforming work in the church. And so when Paul talks about the commands that say, do not commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet, and any other command he's saying, it's just the same as saying, love the person in front of you. Love your neighbor. Because if you love your neighbor, not only will you not take from them or hurt them or desire what they have you will look for ways you can be a blessing to them now look at this in fact one of the very first ordinances that was given through Moses after the Ten Commandments was this picture of serving the Lord out of love not because you had to but because you want to big difference Exodus 21 Verses 2 to 6 explain that if one Hebrew bought another Hebrew as a slave, the slave had to be freed after serving his master for six years. But then verse 5 says, But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God and he shall bring him to the door of God. Or the doorpost and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and they shall be a slave forever and the point is the purpose of christian freedom is for believers to do the same as the hebrew slave which is willing to give up their freedom that seeks to serve yourself to rather become a slave of god Are you a slave of God? Because God is always after the heart of our service, isn't He? He's not interested in you saying the right things or doing things for other people that seem nice, but you do them with the wrong motivations. People still have the wrong motivations when it comes to serving others because they still struggle with the last part of this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so just to be clear, the command to love your neighbor is not a command to love yourself. Right? We've got to say that. Some people take this to think God is telling us to love other people and to love ourselves. In other words, we should have this great self-esteem. But rather, as one man says, it's a command to take your natural, already existing love of self and make it the guide for your love for others which simply means we want to help someone else find a job as much as we want a job right we want to help someone else get good marks on their exam just as much as I want good good marks on my exam we want to help that person next to the road who's stuck just as much as I want someone to help me when I get stuck next to the road we want to share the good news about Jesus with someone else just as much as you are thankful that someone shared Him with you. This is using all your skills and your talents and gifting God has given you to do good to other people. Just as you are using them to do good for yourself. Which means it's when I'm loving others and the way I serve them that I fulfill the law of God which makes me as free as I can be this is true freedom because not only is this a great encouragement to love others knowing that we are fulfilling the law when we do but Paul now also gives us a warning if we don't there's a warning if we don't if we understand the purpose of our freedom we won't abuse that freedom we will be serving others in love and be fulfilling God's law And now finally, knowing the purpose of our freedom will help us to avoid hurting other people. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. See, what Paul is doing here is that he is giving a warning to the church that if they are not busy loving each other and serving each other, then they will start to become so critical towards each other that it's like they are eating each other alive. Does that sound familiar? Paul knows there's tension in relationships. Because people don't know how to relate to each other based on the freedom they have in Jesus. Because it's pretty simple. As soon as you stop loving others, as soon as you stop serving others, what will you do? You're going to start to attack them. You will attack them. And it must be that some of the biting was already going on in the church. Now this word biting is a word that it's also used in the rest of the Old Testament. And usually when it's used in other places in the Bible, it often is used in the context of serpents and snakes. Which gives you the impression that when there is biting going on in the church, it's the opposite of the work of the Father, right? Biting is the work of the devil. And the word devour also leaves you with this picture of a wild animal. But notice the progression of what Paul says. Look at the progression. He says if you think about it metaphorically like a picture, the church can be like this pack of wild animals. First, the beast will bite its prey. Maybe through a nasty comment or criticism of someone else. Then it tears the flesh away. That is what devouring is. By starting to maybe gossip to other people about this person and what he does and doesn't do that upsets you. And then why no one else should like them. Which then is like ripping the pieces of... Off of the animal. And then finally, it consumes the prey. Where the relationship has come to the point where you can't think, say, or do anything good or positive about this other person. Because you are so consumed with all the bitter thoughts towards them. And you cut them out of your life. Which means... Conflict in the church is a kind of progressive killing of the church. When people are not understanding the freedom they have in Christ, and there's conflict in the church over theological issues, social issues, cultural issues, differences about race, gender, and one of the results will be that our witness is dying. Our fellowship with one another is is dying because where there's legalism or where there's this idea of license to do whatever i want then the body of christ experiences this aneurysm that blocks the flow of love within the body of christ and when there's a blood clot what happens you die the body dies Because the problem is my rules become more important than people. My only sinful pleasures become more important than other people. Because that makes sense, right? If we are tearing each other to pieces through the way we speak to each other, through the way we avoid each other, through the way we insist the other person is wrong and I am not, then in the end it will become this all-consuming, destructive relationship that now actually hinders us from doing what God has made us free to do in the first place. In other words, a church of people who are not serving each other in love will destroy itself. That's why Paul says, watch out. Be careful. Watch out that your desires of the flesh and your desires to always be right and are better than other, thinking you're better than other people and your desires to not care about anyone else but yourself doesn't cause you to destroy one another in the church. Because it does not make sense that someone that is, doesn't it make sense that someone that is starving, someone that's starving spiritually, will be someone that is hungry to devour other people. It's usually when someone is not in worship of God. Someone that is not in full worship of God, but in worship of themselves, that what happens is they are hungry to destroy other people, rather than to love them. Because you've got to think about that, because it does not make sense. That someone can say, I am enjoying Jesus and loving Jesus and I love to serve in the house of Jesus, but you know you have unresolved conflict with someone else right here in the church. Because if we're not filling our hearts and our minds with the truth of the gospel, and you're neglecting time with other believers because of issues you have with someone else, then no wonder you will be hungry to consume them. And so one of the ways we avoid being like the cannibals on the islands of Erumunga is to be transformed and continue to be transformed by the gospel of grace. To deal with the conflict that you have with someone else in a biblical way. Listen to the wisdom of James, James 3.14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who who make peace. Because what can happen in the church is that you can call people to holy living, holy living, but it can be from a legalistic heart. Or you can avoid calling people to holy living because you have this license, think everyone has this license to do whatever they want. And together that causes problems. But it's when we serve each other in love and freedom then all this conflict starts to fall into perspective because if you are in conflict situation with someone else right now and there's biting and there's devouring and this consuming and going on you have to ask yourself are you hungry to love others or are you hungry to love yourself gospel freedom doesn't give you the freedom to walk away and ignore the conflict you have with someone else and ignore that piece of meat that is stuck between your teeth from all the biting and devouring that's going on we need to resolve the conflict we have in the context of the soul satisfying peace producing gospel of Jesus Christ a gospel that tells me yes I am a sinner And so instead of defending myself, I know Jesus is defending me before the Father. And so I need to pursue peace within the body. Because the body of Christ is what God uses to display the love of Christ and the authority of Christ to the world. And we don't want to present a picture of a body that is ripping itself to pieces. Because that's already happened. Our sin that did that to Jesus. Your conflict with someone else did that to Jesus on the cross. Our sin ripped his body to pieces. And what God calls us to do is to rather seek to display the results of the devouring of Jesus and what he's accomplished on our behalf. Which is peace with God and peace with each other. And all that's given to us is a gift. As we place our faith and trust completely in Christ. The one who is the very head of the church. It's launching into a life of s- s- selflessness. Where we launch into a life of reconciliation and service and the love of Christ. And we launch ourselves like John Payton did into the midst of those who have conflict with us. And we let the gospel do its transforming work. And so think about it this way. I can fight the desires of the flesh and avoid abusing my freedom in Christ when I am serving others in love. And I serve others in love when I go down on my knees and I pray for someone else and not just myself. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. It's going to be hard to have conflict with someone else if I'm really praying for them, right? When I have acknowledged to them how I've sinned against them rather than speaking evil about them. We serve others in love when we encourage them with our words. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion. That it may give grace to those who hear. See, the more we are filled with positive words about someone else, the less damaging talk can actually come out of our mouths. We serve others in love when we are bearing with them. Ephesians 4.2 With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. This is letting go of the ways in which others have injured us and rather than pulling these issues around like this ball and chain behind you that is preventing me from relating to others in love I'm able to bear with them like Jesus bears with me. With all humility and gentleness and patience. Because that's what Christ is doing with me every single day. We also serve others in love when we recognize that God has given us leaders who love for us and care for us. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in the love because of their work. But then look at what Paul says next. And he makes this connection. Verse 13 Be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace among yourselves. And so you might have to wonder here, is the peace of the church body related to the way they respect their leadership? If we are not allowing truth into our lives, we are starving ourselves from the relationship God has intended us to have. We serve others through love when we count others more significant than ourselves. Philippians 2.1 If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, if you are someone that's filled with the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, Paul says, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you, Look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And so you ask yourself, what is true freedom then? What is true freedom then? Well, Paul tells us here, true freedom is living by grace, serving other people. It's living in grace that we don't become angry when we disagree with someone else. Because if we're shouting and yelling to get what we want, we are abusing that freedom. We are loving ourselves more than the person in front of us in that moment. Freedom is a husband asking himself, how can I serve my wife and make her stronger in the Lord? It's a wife asking herself, how can I support my husband to strengthen him spiritually? It's all of us in the body asking, how can I serve the body of Christ? What can I do with my life that will help other people mature spiritually or even bring them to faith in Christ? Because if that feels to you like someone is taking away your freedom, then you don't know what true freedom is. Perhaps you are still enslaved To your own sinful desires. Living in the spirit means we are not living in the flesh. And that is what Paul is going to talk about next as we continue with our journey in Galatians. Verse 16, he's going to talk about walking in the spirit. And what it means to be spirit filled. So we need to take an honest look at the relationships that we have with other people in the church right now. Are we serving each other in love? Or are we biting and devouring one another? Maybe everything looks fine on Sunday. But what's happening on Monday? Because we know that the flesh is strong. But we also know that God is stronger. So don't give opportunity to what the flesh wants and what it wants to destroy and what God has purchased with His own life. Rather, we know that we're doing the will of God when we look for ways to get our eyes off ourselves and look for intentional opportunities to serve others in love. Because in doing so, we are fulfilling the law of God. So as you're fighting the flesh by faith, We fight it in freedom and serving others and serving God in love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are so very patient with us. Thank you that because of Christ we can have peace with you. Father, thank you that we see you again today and we are reminded that the freedom you have bought for us with with the life of Jesus Christ is not a freedom to abuse, a freedom to use as we please, a freedom to keep living like the world around us. But in fact, you give us a freedom to love my neighbor as myself, to want to see other people thrive spiritually. So, Father, help us as we fight against the flesh. As we fight, help us not to give opportunities for the flesh. But help us rather to to find ways we can serve others in love. Thank you for the love you've shown us in serving us by coming down to die on a cross and rising from the dead and, and now even being at work through your church. The body of believers who have been put together from so many different backgrounds and cultures, Lord, and we know there's going to be conflict. But Lord, help us to respond and deal with that conflict quickly with the grace of the gospel. And Lord, I pray even today, now, if there's someone in this church that has conflict with someone else, that your spirit will press upon their hearts not to leave, not to go to bed tonight without resolving that concept. And may Christ be honored as the body of Christ seeks to display the resurrected love of Christ and not a picture of people devouring and consuming one another. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.